Well, it's good to see you here this morning. And I'm excited about this season, and I'm excited about Christmas, and I'm excited about this church and what God is doing. I wanted to talk to you for a minute this morning, just a few minutes, about um, what we would call worldviews. And worldview, when I talk about everybody having a worldview, if I were to ask you, what's a worldview? And you might say, usually people say, well, it's how you view the world, which is true. But here's something I want us to all just start kind of in the same place, and then we'll go on from there. The fact is, we all have a way we see the world. The problem sometimes is that way we see the world sometimes can keep us from seeing how other people see the world. So, so Matt, just, just notice this. You, maybe you've had this experience with a friend. Maybe you guys, maybe you're in high school, middle school, and you go to somebody's house, and their house is different than your house, like the way they keep the house. Anybody had that experience? You walk in, and I know I've told this story before, but it still just cracks me up. There was this good friend I had in high school, and I remember the first time I went into his house, we walked in, and then there was this room right off to the left, and in the room, the carpet, I, the first thing I noticed, because this is, <laughs> this is how old I am, this is the 70s, and it was shag carpet days, remember that? Okay, so you could see the carpet, the, the um, vacuum lines. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, so we walked in, I'm like, whoa. Nobody walked in that room yet. You could tell there's not one footprint. Then I noticed the, the couches were all white, and they all had plastic covers on them. Have any of you seen that before? And I'm not criticizing any of you who might have that. I just thought there might be somebody with that. It's okay. It's just I was looking at it, and I remember standing kind of at the edge right there, and my friend grabbed my arm, and he goes, don't go in there. I'm like, what? He goes, nobody goes, we never go in there. Like that. And I said, what? And I was like, serious? And then even the lamps had little plastic covers on the lamp shades. And I said, you n- never go in? And he goes, no. Have you not unwrapped the new furniture? <laughs> he goes, no, we, my, my mom keeps it like that so it stays clean. <laughs> it's going to stay clean. Nobody goes in there, I guess. So uh, that was, that's kind of a worldview thing, right? I mean, pe- people are different. Some people keep a house like that, totally fine. Now, the rest of the house was completely like I was used to, lived in, taken care of. I mean, they did things. In fact, you don't know who I'm talking about, so I'm not disclosing anything horrible. But this friend of mine, I remember that same house. Okay, this is how weird it was, kind of a mind bender. Uh, that same guy, we were getting ready to go somewhere, and I go, what's taking you so long? So I opened his door. This is the truth. You could not see the carpet in the, in the room because it was covered with clothes. And what he was doing is reaching, picking clothes up. And, no, that one's dirty. I'm like, what are you doing? I go, what are you doing? I've never seen anything like this before. And I'm, I'm still kind of buzzing in my mind because I've just seen a room where you can't step on the floor. And then I'm looking at this and you can't see the floor. I mean, I was raised like neither of these extremes. Like our room, I mean, oh my goodness. I was responsible. Everything had to be, anyway. I said, what are you doing? I'm trying to find clean clothes. I'm looking like, he goes, well, because I won't pick up my dirty clothes. My mom just take, does the laundry and throws it in here on the floor. <laughs> I said, you've got to be kidding me. And that's honest to goodness truth, I promise you. I, that was a different world. I'd never seen that world. I didn't know it existed. And I've had that experience in other ways where um, my, N- Nicole's mom is married to a sprint car racer. Who's, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's retired now, um, Tom Corbin. And um, the first time I went to a sprint car race, I realized I stepped into another world. One that I, I, I thought I understood, but I didn't. Because my worldview, my experience in life had ended right here. I, I had seen cars, but I didn't even know. I didn't know what it was. So I walk in and I realize, first of all, I'm not dressed right. Because every single person, down to two-year-olds, had a shirt of a driver on. And had something on that showed that they were part of the race culture. And I was totally out of place. I had sunglasses on, thank God. Because... 
not not because they didn't recognize me, but we get in there, and I'm realizing everybody has goggles. What is going on? I mean, like goggle goggles, like ski goggles and and glasses and all this stuff. And I saw uh, earmuffs and suppressors and what is going on? I was totally, I totally entered another world. And then we sat down in the stands and because... Because Tom's nephew is Danny Lasoski, and he was really huge in the world of outlaws. It was a world of outlaws race, big race. Again, if you're not part of the world, you don't understand what I'm talking about. If you know sprint cars, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So I sit down there, and the first thing I did, I'm like, I looked to my friend who I went with, and I'm like, huh, track's all dirt. You know, and the people next to us look at us like, of course it is. I'm like, okay. And then they started. I couldn't, it was so loud, you guys. It was so loud that I looked to the guy next to me, and I was talking to him. I was yelling, and he couldn't. He kept like, I can't hear you. <laughs> I had to go to the concession stand and get napkins or roll them up and put them in my ears. Everybody else had earplugs. And I kept my sunglasses on, which is a good thing, because as soon as they started, this cloud started rising off the track, and dirt chunks started flying, and the, the shields off the driver's uh, you know, helmets started flying. I mean, there was stuff in the air, and everybody's cheering, and we're just going like this, thinking, what is going on? It's a different world. And these cars on the track are going, I don't know how, I mean, they're going so fast. They're going in a controlled slide, you know, like drifting. And a controlled slide the entire time they're racing, you know, with engines over 800 horsepower. And they are sliding, and these drivers are so talented. They are literally, they're sliding, and they're sliding around each other and passing. And it was, I've never seen anything like it in my life. I remember walking out of there thinking, looking at all these people who totally knew everything, I knew nothing about this, and we're on the same planet, living in the same town, and I didn't know anything about their world. Happens all the time, right? We live in different worlds. And there's times where people come up to you, and and they might not understand your worldview, or how you see the world, or what you experience. I'm reading a fascinating book right now. It's it's so interesting. It's, It's written by a lady who has who had spent most of her life as a lesbian. She was a lesbian activist at, a, at an East, um, an East uh, County school. And uh, what happened was she was writing a book against evangelical Christians, and she needed to do some research. So she got... It's an interesting story how this happened. She had written an article, and she got all this hate mail from Christians. And that was her experience with Christians. So I want you to understand this. Her worldview of Christians were hateful, protesters throwing things, shouting slogans. She felt like they weren't very smart because all they did was slogans like bumper stickers and stuff like that. And she's super educated. You know, she's the chair of huge department, very, very written a lot of books, all this kind of thing. She got a letter one day from a pastor who asked her some questions. And the questions bothered her worldview, didn't fit. First thing that didn't fit is a thoughtful Christian didn't fit. <laughs> she thought, this can't be real. So normally she had two boxes, the hate mail and then she had the positive mail. And she said she didn't know where to put this letter, so she set it on her desk. And then she said, if you knew me, I'm, she says she's super OCD, and so to have something sitting on her desk was just really irritating, but she couldn't put it away. She even crumpled it up once and then pulled it out of the trash. She had to go get it out of recycling because the trash had already taken. She had to pull it out of recycling and get it. Here's what she said. Her worldview prevented her from seeing a world where Christians could disagree with her and still love her. Isn't that interesting? Took two years. Two years of having dinner at this pastor's home with him and his wife, talking, dialoguing. Two years. Two years. 
before she came to Christ. Two years. She said as part of that process, she had tried to go to his church a number of times, but she knew she wouldn't fit because of her hair and her looks and her bumper stickers and whatever else. So she said she sat out for, for week after week in her truck and just watched the people go in and she just couldn't understand them. Have you ever wondered how worldview keeps us from seeing what other people see and then things that that make so much sense to us other people can't understand at all now this christmas season i'm sure you're going to watch some christmas movies one of our favorite is polar express and there's this the whole thing and i'm not trying to give it away if you've never seen it i apologize in advance but the whole idea is they want the kids to believe in santa right and if you believe you can hear the bell ring if you don't believe you can't it's kind of worldview because the thing is right in front of you and you can't see it. Does that make sense? So watch this clip. This is wake right up, at the end. Wake up, wake up, Santa's been here, Santa's been here. Hurry up, hurry up. Mom, Dad, wake up, wake up. Santa's been here, Santa's been here. Found this on the seat of my sleigh. Better fix that hole in your pocket. Mr. C. Oh, what a beautiful bell. Who's it from? Santa. Santa? Really? Oh, that's too bad. What's this? Huh? Broken. Sorry about that, sport. <laughs> Come on, kids. So my question for you today is, can, can you hear the angels singing? Can you hear them? Because a lot of our world, they don't believe in anything that's supernatural in any way. So because their worldview keeps them from seeing anything miraculous, things that you take for granted and things that you've believed your whole life, they can't even hear it. They can't even see it. It doesn't even make sense at all. It's something that sounds so ridiculous, so otherworldly, that they wonder how you live in the same city, the same town, and they didn't even know you existed. Their, their worldview, the thing that they believe so passionately, keeps them from understanding everything that you know. So I wonder, can, can you hear them? Tonight, or today, I want us to take a look at this scripture, and I want us to think through how this would have been for the shepherds in that day, and then I want to keep asking you that question. Can, can you hear what they heard? 
So that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They, they were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by the sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth and laying in a manger. And then suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. You know, we read that and we hear it every Christmas and we sing songs about it. And a lot of times, you know, you've seen these angel pictures. We grow up with these pictures all the time, you know, and you see them coming down to the shepherds and you see the vast, you know, angel army there. And then you see this one and, and this one. And there's, these are all these pictures from mostly Renaissance, you know, authors. But my question is, do you hear them? Do you hear them? What's interesting about this story, one of the most interesting things is uh, the shepherds heard the angels, Interesting, their reaction. It scared them to death. It did. You know what's, what's funny is every time an angel appears, it's scary. It's super scary. I've never seen an angel. I was talking with Tim about this this morning because I've never seen one. And then he mentioned, this is a good point. He goes, yeah, you probably don't want to because when they show up, it's not good things. It's not a good time. You're usually in a crisis if an angel shows up. So, so yeah, it's probably a good thing I haven't seen one. But every time in Scripture when they show up, one of the first things they have to do is calm the people down. And they say, don't be afraid. I've come from God or I'm, I'm here as a messenger. Whatever it is, they just say, it's okay. Just relax. It's going to be okay. You know, when the angel told Joseph, and he appears to Joseph, he says, fear not. When Gabriel came to Mary, he says, fear not. The angel told the shepherds, fear not. Really think about it, it makes sense. By definition, angels are miracles. They're, they're out of this world. They are beings from another world, another realm, another dimension. You know, we play around like that with science fiction, but when we talk about it in the Bible, it, it, it kind of has this aura of natural, and we think it would be normal, but I guarantee you, if it happens, it's going to be supernatural. They're out of this world. One moment, the shepherds are minding their business, taking care of their sheep, in Bethlehem, just outside the city. And then the next moment, moment, there's an angel speaking to them up in heaven. The sky is filled, then it says, with a multitude of angels. An uncountable number, a vast array. And it says that they're shining in bright light. Can, I, I just, I, I sometimes will go out on a, on a dark night and look up into the sky. And, and I'm not looking for angels necessarily. But, but as I'm standing there and I think about what if that happened or you are one of those shepherds. Can you imagine what you would be thinking? It would be, talk about close encounters or, I mean, aliens even. I mean, that's, they're out of the world. Suddenly, without warning, they appear. Angels are nowhere. Then they're everywhere. Then there's one angel. Now there's a multitude of angels. I mean, it would have been so shocking, so amazing. I'm sure that they were just blown away. I'm sure. That would be incredible. They filled the sky. I always wonder how many. Because it says a multiple, a vast number, but we don't know how many. And then you wonder about it. Like, they're up and in the sky. And how far away could they be seen? Because they're only a few miles from, from, well, they're right outside of Bethlehem. And they're only a few miles from Jerusalem. And I know how it is here. If, if something happens and there's a big bright light or maybe you, have you ever driven across like a big expanse like maybe Kansas and you're getting to a bigger city and you can see the light glow in the distance. And I wonder if it might have been something like that. And people, even people who weren't there wondered what is going on here. I wonder why did, why did they, God think to announce it to shepherds? Shepherds were one of the lowest in the social structure. 
They were farmers. I mean, they were shepherds, not farmers. They were shepherds. You realize, of course, they slept with the sheep. They would have been smelly. They would have been out there for days. They would have not probably had any education or you know, you think about it. I mean, when God was deciding who to announce this to, he's going to announce one of the most important things of all history. All history. He's coming to announce the Christ child is born this day, and he doesn't choose any rulers. He doesn't choose any religious leaders. He doesn't choose rich people. He doesn't choose the educated. He doesn't choose the influencers or somebody who can make them famous. He goes to shepherds. Why? Why would he do that? You know why he does it? I believe this, and you see it all through Scripture. He does it because he's a God who loves each of us passionately and individually, and we have intrinsic worth because you are, are one of his children. That is it. He doesn't look at people the way we do. He doesn't judge people the way we do. He looked at them and announced it to them because what he's saying is this announcement is for everybody. Because here's how it works. If he had only come to lawyers, we would have said, well, it's mainly for lawyers. If he'd only come to educated, we would have just said it was for the educated. If we would have come to the ruling classes, we would have just thought it was for them. But because he came to shepherds, we know it's for everybody. Every single one of us belongs, and every single one of us are worthy of hearing this news. It's an amazing, amazing, amazing thing. And then I think about this. All those angels, they were sent to tell this. Where were they before? We don't know a lot of details about were they all in the presence of God and then all of a sudden he sends them? Were they, were they there already and we just couldn't see them? I think it's interesting too, you know, in our, in our songs we call it an angel choir and we say they sang what they said, but you saw the verse. It doesn't say they sang, it says they said. And it also says it was an angel army. In the King James it says a heavenly host, which is a military term. So that always makes me wonder too, when they saw them, did they just recognize them as military type angels? I don't even know, I'm just... I'm just putting it out there. I wonder what they look like. Because every time an angel appears in Scripture, it's interesting. We don't know a lot about angels. We only know two are, only two are named. Do you know what their names are? Michael and Gabriel. There's only two that, that we are given their actual names for. And the others have other angels that are referred to might have titles or responsibilities, but no names. And then something else to think about. They always appear as men in bright clothing, contemporary for whatever time it was. No wings, no babies. <laughs> do you hear them still though can you hear them shepherds heard them mary heard them joseph heard them it's something to think about are they around us all the time there is a verse that talks about angels protecting us to some degree and there's this verse that's fascinating in kings so one night the king of aram sent a great army of many chariots and horses around the city <laughs> When the servant of the man of God got up early next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha, Elisha's prophet. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than theirs. Then Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Horses and chariots of fire. You know what? Those angels were already there. He just couldn't see them. You know what else is different about that verse? Elisha knew. Elisha had a confidence that God was with him and walking it out and protecting him regardless of what he saw in the physical. It's kind of worldview, isn't it? See the two worldviews? 
His servant only saw what was physical and what was coming up against him. But Elisha knew that there was a God who was on his side and in his corner at all times. And whether or not he could see it, he knew it was there. It's an interesting thing to think about. The servant just couldn't see him. The mysteries of God are all around us. And if you think about it, we look at things like this all the time. We see things all the time that are miracles and we just don't see them for what they are. I don't know how many of you saw the sunrise this morning. It lasted for about four minutes. That was it. It was so fast. And as it, was, as it was turning pink, I was sitting in my office and looking at the sky and thinking, oh my goodness, that's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And then it was gone. Why do you think God does that? Have you ever wondered about that? No, I, I, I have friends who are naturalists. They don't believe in anything supernatural. And it, here's what they would tell me. They would just tell me that it's the angle of light and the amount of visible light and the light spectrum that's coming through at that moment. All you're going to see is the pinks and reds. You know, the color, wheel, the, the color spectrum, the Roy G. Biv. You know that? The, all the colors in the rainbow. That red one comes up first. I'm like, yeah, but why? <laughs> that's what I say. Why? Why? Why would, why would something that beautiful even be there? I'll tell you why. It's because we serve a God. Beauty is part of what he does. Have you seen the NASA deep probe pictures of the universe that none of us have ever seen till now? Why would God create something that incredibly beautiful for people to just barely now see? Or how about things on the molecular level that as you get closer and closer and look and look and look, they're incredible, the incredible order and sophistication and the specificity. It's absolutely amazing. You know, some people, again, it's worldview. It's what they want to see. Some people look at the Grand Canyon and all they see is a big ditch. And they want to believe that Aaron, that little tiny Colorado River, it's not tiny, but at the bottom of it, it looks tiny, carved that out over millions of years, you know. Do you guys remember when Mount St. Helens exploded in 1980? Do you know there's a mini Grand Canyon there that was formed in the space of two weeks? But some people don't see it that way. They just see a big hole in the ground. But when I look at it, I see something totally different. And I could stare at this for days and just look at each, each different angle and see the different things and wait for that sunrise just to peak in the right way. And I see majesty and beauty, but it's all about what you want to see and how you want to see the world. If you want to see the hand of God in things or not, it's spectacular views. It's just an amazing thing. You want to see more? I've got more. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is the last one. This is probably the best spot of all, right? You know, some people look at that like the spiritual realm, the, the, the spiritual realm that is there, but for them it's not real, so they never think about it, or they deny anything remotely that way. I heard this story one time, it just cracked me up. This lady, you know, she had a neighbor who was, who was not a believer at all, and he knew that she was a Christian and praying and praying, and one day he heard her praying for food, and she was just out of food. She was, she was poor and on a fixed income and couldn't get what she needed, and so he, he was working in his garden, her window was open, and she heard her asking God for food. So he thought, I'm going to play a trick on her. I'm going to buy food. I'm going to put it on her doorstep. And then when she gets it and starts to praise her God, I'm going to be there and tell her, no, it was me. So she, he does that. So sure enough, he puts the grocery sack on the doorstep, rings the doorbell and kind of hides and waits till she comes out. And when she comes out, she sees the, door, the, the bag and she, oh, thank you, Jesus, for answering my prayer. And he goes, it wasn't Jesus, it was me. She goes, thank you, Jesus, for using an atheist to give me food. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it all perspective and how you see the world? I mean, you can see him and he can work through anybody. It's funny, too, because when, um, 
you know, when, they, when the Russians were first putting people in space, one of the cosmonauts came back and, you know, as, a, as an atheistic nation uh, at the time, you know, it's becoming less and less that way. But at the time, one of the things he said when he came down is he said he looked for God in space and he wasn't there. It's funny. I heard somebody, one of the commentators say, well, if he'd have stepped out of that spaceship, he'd have saw him. <laughs> really quick. <laughs> Think about sometimes this story, the story of Jesus' birth. Angels are everywhere. Now, I've never seen one. I mentioned that before. And, and there is a scripture in the Bible that says you never know when you might be entertaining an angel unaware. Because I'm sure there have been times where, and I've heard stories of people that I know where things have happened where it, it had to have just been an angel. Something happened. Somebody showed up, was in the right place at the right time. And they turn around and they're not there. And, and maybe that was an angel. I don't know. But in this story, you can't read this story without seeing the angels. They're everywhere. They're all over the place. They're there. This story is a supernatural story, and there's angels all over it. Everything's supernatural. The angels pop over. They, you know, they tell Mary that she's going to have the baby. The, the angel goes and talks to Joseph. The angel warns Mary and Joseph about fleeing to Egypt. Then they tell him when it's safe to return. In our text, the angel announces the birth of Christ to the shepherds and the heavenly O's. But that's not all. Then there's that miraculous star that moves along with the three wise men later. I don't, know if, I don't know if you've read that very carefully. It says that star moves. Did you catch that? I was talking to my class on Wednesday night about that, just about the fact that a lot of times people try to find a naturalistic explanation. Like they search the astronomical records and say, well, maybe it was this asteroid, or maybe it was this comet, or maybe it was this thing. And I'm looking at it like, you know what, that's fine. If God wants to use natural things or bring an atheist to bring somebody food, that's fine. But I don't mind with, I don't have a problem with him doing miracles because he's a God of miracles. If he can make the Christ child, if he, can, if, if he can make Mary pregnant in a supernatural way, then I don't think moving a star around is a problem for him. So when they go to, to talk to Herod and then Herod says, well, tell me what you find out. And they go back out and the scripture plainly says they saw the star and then it moved and stopped over the house where Jesus was. I'm OK with that. It's a miracle. I'm okay with the idea of that, there's, that there's angels and they, they may or may not appear. And I hope I'm not in a stressed situation where I need one to appear. And then the dreams. There's dreams. That, the, 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 it says that the three wise men then have a dream and warns them not to go back to Herod. Think about that for a minute. The story's full of it. Angels and dreams and stars. It's everywhere. If your worldview doesn't allow for that, I hope you would be open to just considering the possibility that there's a God in heaven and he does miracles. And he does amazing things, and it doesn't stop there. He had to do it that way. If you think about it, our world, it's, it's fallen apart in, in a lot of ways. And it's not something that's really even intended to last forever. This God of miracles is an eternal God who, who created us and wants a relationship with us and wants us to join him in that relationship. And what he promises us in the future, a new world in fact, if you think about it this way, our citizenship is really in another world. We become so attached to the physical and the things we can see and what we can explain in this world. But really, the world is not, this is not everything. And, and Peter, Peter says this, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain for simple desires which weigh war against your soul. What he means by that is as Christians, we're in a world, but this isn't really our home. In other versions of that verse, um, they, uh, the New Testament, in the New Living Translation, he calls us temporary residents and foreigners. In the English Standard Version, it says we're sojourners or exiles. It's like Abraham. Abraham was, 
was somebody who was a, a stranger in a foreign country. He dwelt in the promised land as a stranger. And he lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. There's a future that we haven't even thought about. And really, that's why Christmas is so important. It's, it's really to think about it. I'm not trying to be too, like, you know, nihilistic or anything. But we are part of a dying race living on a dying planet. And God has sent a Savior to change all of that. And it really would take someone from outside to come and to show us all of this. It's the true meaning of Christmas. He... He created us in his image and he gave us free will so that we could freely come to him or freely reject him. And he had to do it that way because freedom's the only way for there really to be love. I heard this illustration recently where, let, let me just ask, I'll ask it the way this guy did. He said, okay, so any of you ladies out here, have you ever had a guy just be interested in you and it was obvious? Have you ever had that happen? Maybe they're leaving you and they're talking to you a bunch of times or, <clears throat> you know, guys, are, we're dumb. We've got lines they'll use or jokes trying to make you laugh or whatever it is. And the whole time it's kind of annoying and you're trying to be clear about it, but they're not getting the hint. Have you ever had that happen? What if you were forced into that relationship or made to... You can't, right? That's not love. Love is something that we give freely. It's not something that's coerced. It's, it's something that you have to choose to give. And when God gave us that, built into that is also the opportunity for people to do things that weren't what he wanted to do. Anytime that happens, I mean, obviously, it hurts the heart of God. He's given us a blueprint of how to live and how to treat each other, and he has a certain way for he wants us to be done. And you, you that are parents, you raise your kids in a certain way, and you give them rules and boundaries, and you don't do that to inhibit their fun. You do it because you want to protect them from the dangers that come when they might violate those boundaries, and you want to give them good things in life, and you want to tell them this is the best way to do that. Right? God does the same thing. He's a good God. He wants you to have a great life. That's what he wants. So he came to the earth in the most humble possible way. As a little baby, helpless, needing his diaper changed, needing a mother to care for him. And just like if, if you were announcing this gift to the world, you probably wouldn't have done it to shepherds. I doubt many of us would have thought of coming in, in the form of a ch helpless child, human child. But he did it that way so that he would have that experience, that common experience that he would share with us day after day after day. And that he would be tempted in every way as us and he would then become the perfect sacrifice. And up until that point, God had sent his prophets and he had sent judges and kings and different people to warn the people and come this way. And finally, he sent his son. And when he did, they, some heard him, but some rejected. And even the fact that, and this is interesting, he came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. Then think about this. He allowed himself to be killed by his own creation using tools that he created. But he did it out of love. He did it out of love. He'd already done miracles, and he'd written it on our hearts, and he's written it in nature and then he ultimately paid for our mistakes and our outright sins. And he did that because he loved us. Now he's left us to hear to finish that job and to proclaim that message to everybody we can. And that's what Christmas is. It's literally the incarnation where God came down and became man. He himself became man. He emptied all of his, his heavenly nature and became a human being and was God for us. 
I think about these things, you know, and so many, so many things have been written about this, but someone from the world of light came into the world of darkness. Someone from eternal, the eternal came to the temporary. Someone from heaven came to live on earth. In scripture, it's written, I'm just going to do a couple clips here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. When the fullness of time had come, he sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, who though he was in in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. God was manifest in the flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Emmanuel. God lived with us. The infinite became finite. The immortal became mortal. The creator lived in a created body. The omnipotent, born of a human girl. Almighty became helpless. The deity was wrapped in rags. The king of the universe was born in a stable. Martin Luther, he put it like this. He whom the world could not enwrap yonder lies in Mary's lap. (laughs) It's the central truth of the Christian story. Jesus, God Almighty, became man. He visited our planet as a baby. Can you hear those angels still? Because if you believe that, the resurrection is not hard to believe. Because a God who can do all those things can do that and even more. When I ask you if you can hear those angels singing, look at what they said that day. Can you hear them? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among those with whom he's pleased. I'm going to ask you to do something for me. If you would stand with me for just a moment. As you're standing, I want you to think about these things. I'm I'm going to ask you to shut your eyes for a second. If you're part of our prayer team or pastor's wives, board and wives, if you would come forward and be ready to pray with some people. With everybody here with your eyes closed, I just want you to think about a few of these things for a minute. If it's really true that there's a God who loved you that much, who was willing to give that much to take his created world, come into it, be part of it, subject to it, allow them to kill him for you. If there's really a God like that, I'm wondering if there might be someone here today. That maybe up until this time you hadn't been ready to surrender to him or, or consider that story to be true. But today you're thinking, if that's true, what better day than today? And I would tell you there's no better day than today. If that's true, you, you're, you would like to give your life to him and open up to what the world that he has for you. Anybody at all, if you would raise your hand and we could pray with you. We would love to do that. Anybody at all? Let me ask that question another way. There may be some of you in here who, maybe with the hustle and bustle of Christmas, or maybe for some people the Christmas memories aren't always great because of family issues or finances or whatever, but maybe you love Christmas and it's just become about the decorations and the, the festivities and you forget the wonder, the wonder that is part of every little bit of that. The angels, the dreams, the miracles, the star, All of that. And as you stand here this morning, you want to open your heart and mind up to more of this wondrous God and the miracles that he has for you. If you're here today and you need prayer for anything, 
It might just be for strength to get through the season. It might be for some physical need. Whatever it is that you may need, I just want to invite you to come for prayer this morning. We'll just spend some time waiting on you for prayer. Anybody at all.